If you'll turn in your Bibles to John the ninth chapter, I'm going to read a verse of Scripture, one verse to you as you're turning there. You won't have to flip pages too much. We're going to be, for the time we spend here this morning, we're going to be in John the ninth chapter. And the title of the message is Seeing Each Other Through the Eyes of Jesus. Seeing Each Other Through the Eyes of Jesus. Philippians 2 and 4 says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Notice he didn't say, don't look on your own things. He said, but in addition to looking on your own things, look also on the things of others. Let's look at John the ninth chapter. And I want you to think about as we consider this subject, what did Jesus see? In John the ninth chapter and there are so many other examples that we could use in the scripture I encourage you if you're searching for things to study this would be a good study look at the different situations that Jesus encounters what did he see what did the Apostles see what did the Pharisees the legalists see what do you see and I want you to think about this as the world sees things something could be just nothing in the eyes of the world and then in the eyes of the world something could be incredible I'll give you the example of a fellow that I knew really well who had a high school degree, never went to college, never got an engineering degree, but he slugged out a living on a family farm. And any time that something came up that he needed or he could envision in his mind, he built it. And I guarantee you that he most likely built it quicker than any educated engineer, nothing against the engineers in the crowd, but he was such a good natural engineer that he would build it just like that and have what he needed. But in the eyes of the world, you know, he didn't have an engineering degree. All he had was a high school diploma. But for all of his life, from the time he was a boy, he scratched and eked a living out of the land and provided for a family and sent two boys to college and took care of his wife. I'm talking about my dad. In the eyes of the world, he was nothing. He didn't have some high status, but in the eyes of his sons, in the eyes of his wife, in the eyes of his family, he was amazing. He could engineer things that were just unbelievable to me. How did he pull this off? But in the eyes of the world, you know, he was nothing. And you turn that around in the sports world. Think about some five-star recruit. And that's all you hear about on the, the TikTok or on the Twitter or all those things. You hear, this guy's done this, this guy's done that. Or some highly recruited young lady. For some sport, you know, they've done this, they've done that. And the world esteems that. Look at that. Look at that person. Wow, that's amazing. And yet, most of the time, if you look into their personal life, it's a complete disaster. The way that Jesus sees that person is totally different. Are y'all with me? So be careful looking through the eyes of the world at things. There's so many different examples that we could use in the Word of God from the Old Testament. You think about how God saw Job as opposed to his friends, as opposed to his wife, as opposed to the community. All of that is in the book of Job. Or you think about Abraham or Jacob or Moses. But here in the New Testament, there's multiple examples that we could look at about what Jesus saw and what he did as a result of what he saw, as opposed to what we see or what the other folks saw. And as we consider this, look at what the apostles saw. They saw this man there begging and it prompted the questions in their mind about this man. So let's read chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. This guy was a beggar, by the way. That's all he could do was beg. We find that out later in the chapter. And his disciples asked him, saying, 
Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now that really doesn't make any sense, does it? This guy who had never existed, how could he sin and bring something upon himself to be born blind? The problem with the apostles right there, they are looking at this man through the eyes of old wives' fables. You see, old silly traditions that say, well, you know, because this person is like this, it must be, you know, something happened, you know, before they were born. That's an old wives' fable. And then they ask the question, did this man's parents sin that he was born blind? Do you see what they're seeing? And that question right there, they're disregarding this man's family. You see, they're saying because of his parents, he's in the condition that he's in. You see how they're looking? And guess what? Because of the way they looked at this man, what they saw here with natural eyes, listening to fables or to silly traditions, they were not seeing with the eyes of Jesus. They could not see with the eyes of Jesus and they disregarded his family. They said, this guy has no chance because of his family history. You ever done that? You said, well, this kid, this young person, they have no chance because of their parents. You ever thought things like that? And again, that's not to totally disregard. They may have strikes against them, but you can't ever count out what the Lord sees. So look at what Christ sees. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned, which was almost a funny answer, nor have his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. The word manifest means to render apparent. So notice Christ says, what I see here is the potential and the possibility of what can be seen by everyone. You see that the works of God may be manifest or seen in this person. You see how Christ's vision of this man is different. And also it's notable to mention here, Christ is not saying that God calls this man to be blind. He's not saying that at all. If you notice, he says, look at this man. Look at what Adam's sin has done to this man. That's why he's blind. But the Lord can overcome that. That's what he's saying there. Just to make it very clear, if you've ever went out and maybe looked at a piece of property you wanted to buy. So you're going to buy a piece of property for maybe to put a home or a house on it. And you go out and you look at that piece of property. And if you look at the possibilities that are there and look with the right type of vision, you could picture that house there. You know, this would be a perfect setting for a house on this particular hill, this particular knoll or this valley, whatever the case may be. And you say, I see the possibilities. And then somebody who doesn't have that vision may go out there and say, this place is awful. <laughs> It's, it's got brambles all over it. It's got briars. It's got bushes. It's the, the, the field needs to be fixed. You see, you look at that possibility and you think, there's no chance here that this piece of property could turn into something beautiful and be a, a house setting. But if you've got vision and you see that, there's no telling what the possibilities are. That's what Jesus is saying here. You're looking at this blind man and you're saying there's no possibility that this guy has any hope or any chance. But Christ says that the works of God may be manifest in him. I'm going to do something. And it's also notable here too that this is a rare situation where Jesus actually said, I'm going to do something in terms of physical healing. Usually they were bringing people to him and saying, Lord, heal my, this, this friend. Heal this person that has this problem or this sickness. And he would heal them. He even kind of did a grudge healing with the man that they lowered down through the roof. 
you know, to show that those guys that were standing there to prove to them that he was the son of God. I call it a grudge healing. He healed that guy and he got up and walked. Well, here's a situation, a rare situation where Christ said, I am going to do this. I'm telling you that I'm going to do this. And nobody brought him to Christ. So you see, Christ's perspective is I'm going to show you the glory of God in this person, in this blind man. So you know what happens here? He says, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He gave him a good little sermon there, didn't he? <laughs> what do you do with light? You see with light. What are we talking about? We're talking about seeing with the eyes of Jesus. What does Jesus see? And when he had spoken, that's when he spits on the ground and he makes a little mud pie and he brings the blind man to him and, and puts that on his eyes, tells him to go wash. And when the man goes and washes, he washes the mud off of his eyes that Jesus had spit on and made a little mud pie and he can see. All of a sudden he's able to see. Now don't ask me why Jesus did it that way and other times he did it a different way. I can tell you the, the best answer to that is he is not a tame lion. He can do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, however he pleases. But he's always going to do anything he does according to his nature and his character, which is holy and good. He'll never violate his character. And so notice what happens. He goes and washes in the pool of Siloam, verse 7, and he comes back seeing. And in verse 8, we have another Perspective from a different group of people. What did the neighbors see in verse 8? These are the neighbors. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, they said, is not this he that sat and begged? So here he comes and he's, can you imagine he had a smile on his face? He's smiling. He's seeing for the first time. This man was born blind. He's never seen the light of day. I can guarantee you that he had a smile on his face. Hey, it's me. He's looking around and seeing the face of this person maybe that shared food with him because he was a beggar. That's all he could do. They didn't have disability. They didn't have schools for the blind. They didn't have ways to take care of people in those days other than the goodwill and the kindness of neighbors and friends. So here he comes and everybody sees him coming and he's walking and nobody's leading him and he doesn't have a stick you know, to find his way. And the neighbors say, is not this he that sat and begged? See, he was a beggar. And then some said, this is he. Others said, well, it's like him. It looks like him. And the guy's going around saying, it's me. It's me. <laughs> it's me. I'm the beggar. I'm the blind man. The guy that was blind, I can see. So there's, a, there's kind of a stir going on here. And the people see him, but they're not looking with the eyes of Jesus. Just like the apostles were not seeing him. In the eyes of Jesus. Some said, is this him? Others says, say, well, it looks like him. <laughs> you see, they doubted and they were skeptical. And their skepticism prevented them from seeing with the eyes of Jesus. And in doing so, they denied his identity. They said, it looks like him, but I don't think it's him. They denied his identity because they weren't seeing him through the eyes of Jesus. You say, well, that's bad. It gets worse. <laughs> Verse, uh, verse 13, after he tells them what happened, they say, what happened to you? They, the neighbors, I don't know if they were doing him a favor or not. I, I really don't. I, maybe the neighbors thought they were helping him out, but they didn't help him out. They bring him to the Pharisees. They bring him to the legalists who are supposed to be able to see things. They're supposed to be able to figure out things. 
And they bring him to the legalists and they, they say to him, what happened to you? And let's look at verse 16. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man, the guy that healed him, is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath. You see, Christ healed the blind man on the Sabbath day. And the, the legalists, all they could see in their traditionalized mind and their hypocritical mind was that somebody has violated the Sabbath day. That's all they could see. They didn't care that the man had been made to see. They didn't care that this guy who sat and begged was not going to have to be given anything anymore as a beggar because now he can work for himself. They only cared that somebody had violated the Sabbath day. That is very picky, isn't it? Is that really work to reach down on the ground and pick up a little bit of dirt that you spit in and to make a little mud pie and put it on somebody's eyes? That really doesn't sound like much work, does it? I guarantee that Jesus, from a natural standpoint, expended practically no energy doing that. But the Pharisees said, oh, he did this on the Sabbath day. Do you see how they're seeing? They can't even rejoice in the work of God on this man because they are so hypocritical. They said this man that healed him on the Sabbath day cannot be of God because he did it on the Sabbath. Look at verse 16. This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said... How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? That's a reference to Jesus. They think, you know, he's a sinner. How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. The word division there is schism or a split among them. So here they are arguing among themselves, which is silly. They're arguing, is this man a sinner? No, he's not a sinner. Uh, yes, he is a sinner. Well, he did it on the Sabbath day, so he's got to be a sinner. It's just round and round. They are so confused because they are Legalists, they're hypocrites, they're pretenders, and they're not seeing with the eyes of Jesus. So you see, it created division among them. And it's kind of interesting in verse 20, up in the scene pops up his parents. <laughs> they called the blind man's parents. We got another view here from the parents. How do the parents see their own son? Well, you would think that in a situation like that, that his parents would stand beside him, right? I mean, think about it now. You just pretend for a moment that you have a child who was born blind and you have taken care of that child. You, you know people that have taken care of invalids or people that were blind or people that couldn't handle, couldn't do for themselves. And you think about how would you feel if you walked in and that child that had been born blind, who's now an adult, that you have to walk by every day and see them begging out there because that's the best that they can do. And all of a sudden he walks up and he says, Mom, Dad, I see you for the first time. Would you not be happy? Would you not care about the consequences about what might happen if you stood beside him? And these parents here, because they're not looking with the eyes of Jesus... They're not seeing him with the eyes of Jesus. They said, verse 19, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son. At least they affirmed his identity, right? At least they said, this is our boy. And we know that he was born blind because we took care of him all those years. He wasn't faking it. He wasn't doing like Brother Tim, whatever uh, his mother kept calling him and saying, son, come here, son, come here. And Brother Tim would ignore his mother. And then his mother said, we need to take you and get your ears checked out. And then it was, uh-oh, 
And then the next thing you know, Brother Tim's getting tubes put in his ears. <laughs> All because to some degree or another, he was faking it. This boy is not faking it. He can't see. And we know he's our son, and we know he was born blind. By the way, that was when I was very young. It wasn't like 18 or 19 years old, okay? <laughs> we know he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. They are lying. Do you hear me? They're lying. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Boy, that's cold, isn't it? That's cold. He'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So because of their fear, it prevented them from seeing with the eyes of Jesus. And they denied their own son, who they had taken care of all of his life. Led him around. Helped him do the best he could do when he could not see. And now they've denied him because they're afraid. We come on down to verse 30. And we get a little bit of, of the blind man's view. His sight. And I mean not just physical sight. I mean spiritual sight. Notice what he says in verse 30. Because they keep asking him. How did you see? How did this happen? They keep pressing him like a cross-examination. Now you told us before, but tell us again. Are you sure it happened this way? And look at verse 30. This is the blind man. What he sees, the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence Christ he is, and yet Christ he hath opened my eyes. You know, you might say, I don't think he's being arrogant here or anything, but he's schooling them a little bit, isn't he? He said, this is amazing that here I stand before you. I've been affirmed by my parents that it is me, and I was born blind, and now I see and he says in verse 31, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? This is a first ever miracle in the history of the world that they knew of at that point. In the history of the world, I'm the first guy that's ever been born blind that now can see. That is amazing, is it not? They ought to be rejoicing. They ought to be praising God. They ought to set a day in the city and say, this is going to be the blind man's seeing day. You know, we're going to celebrate this every year. In verse 33, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. That's a logical conclusion that he has made, isn't it? Is he seeing with the eyes of Jesus? I believe he is. And they answered and said unto him, and by the way, this is, what, this is their final view of the blind man. Verse 34, they say, Thou wast altogether born in sins. Remember what the apostles asked at the beginning? Was this man born blind because of something he did or something his parents did? So they've reached the same conclusion. They say, You were born in sins, and dost thou now teach us? And they cast him out. That's terrible, isn't it? That's got to be one of the most unjust things that you read about. It's unfair. Here's a guy that was blind from birth and sat on the street and begged for all these years. And now he's being kicked out of the synagogue, out of the, the worship area. All because nobody was looking at him, seeing him with the eyes of Jesus. If you back up and look at verse 28, it also says that they reviled him. That's the Pharisees. And they said, thou art his disciple. But we are Moses' disciples. 
We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. You see how they're seeing? They're not seeing with the eyes of Jesus. And then they kick him out. Let me tell you, child of God, a rigid legalism will prevent you from seeing with the eyes of Jesus. And that rigid legalism will cause you to deny the work of God in someone's life. They denied the work of God in the life of the blind man. They said, this guy can't be of God because he did this on the Sabbath. Not knowing because they were looking with their natural eyes. They were looking with their perverted law eyes. They did not know that they were in the presence of the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who had made the Sabbath. And they denied the work of the Lord. God forbid that we should ever deny the work of the Lord in someone else's life. That's what happens when you become legalistic and judgmental like the Pharisees. God forbid. Save us from that. But I'm telling you, if you see with the eyes of Jesus, your experience in life, your experience with the people of God, your experience in the church of God will be rich and full. And it won't be perfect. You know what? Because you're dealing with sinners. And you know what? You're a sinner too. You need to look through the eyes of Jesus and see yourself. You need to look through the eyes of Jesus and see each other. I want to give you Christ's final view here. Look at verse 35. Isn't it good to know how the Lord presses on for His children? He pressed on for your salvation. I'm so glad that He pressed on. I'm so glad He's not me. I'm so glad He doesn't give up like I do. He didn't give up. He pressed on. It says that that Jesus heard that they had cast Him out. Isn't that great to know that the Lord hears when you have been cast out? The Lord hears when you feel cast out. The Lord sees whenever you feel rejected. The Lord heard that they had cast Him out. And when He had found Him, you know what He was doing? He was seeking Him. He was looking for Him. And He said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And you notice that this man, this blind man, this former blind man, he's fixing to get some more information that is glorious. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus looked at him and said, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. He said, I'm him. And here is the final view of this blind man who can now see. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Do you see that? Look at the view of the blind man because he maintained sight, spiritual sight. He didn't just go and say, well, I've been cast out, so I'm just going to go and, you know, I'm going to move to another town and nobody will ever see me again. No, through Jesus Christ, through the sight that Jesus gave him, he said, I am the son of God. Do you see me? And the man said, Lord, I believe I see you. And he worshiped him. You know, the word worship right there is the word picture of a dog licking the hand of his master. So you have a little dog here who just begins to lick the hand of his master. He's worshiping him. Christ is the master. Of course, you understand we're sheep, not dogs. But the picture should not be missed. That's all we are before the Lord is just to come at the feet of Jesus and just worship him. We're not worthy to, but praise God, he lets us. That's where we find him at the end. Now, looking through the eyes of Jesus... We see more than a blind man, don't we? We see a child of God who was greatly affected by Adam's sin. That's why the man was blind. That's why the man was blind, because he descended from Adam. Genetic defects, issues that come up, sicknesses, you know, bone marrow disorders, uh, the, you know, can't, the pain in your foot that you can't get fixed, cancer. I mean, you name it. 
Look around you with the eyes of Jesus and see that the tragedy, the sickness, the suffering of this world is because we are affected by Adam's sin. We also see that a person does have a chance. They do have more than a chance regardless of who their parents were. Like the disciples said, well, that person's parents, you know, that he doesn't have a chance because of where he comes from. And there may be some strikes against someone, but by the grace of God, looking through the eyes of Jesus, you have more than a chance in life to live a godly life, to live a full life, regardless of who a person's parents are. See? And then you got the skeptical neighbors. Don't be a skeptical neighbor. Well, it looks like him. I, I think it's him. I don't really know if it's really him. When the Lord does a work on someone, when the Lord infuses, when He gives us life into our heart, when He revives us, maybe you've been a born-again child of God for a long time and lived in sin or did things you shouldn't do, but when He revives us, we shouldn't be the skeptical neighbor. We should say, I see through the eyes of Jesus what this person is capable of, you see? And we should never be the hard-hearted hypocrite like the hypocrites were, the legalists were, the ones who were supposed to know everything about religion, they were just hard-hearted. And they denied the work of God in the life of the blind man. Listen, when we don't look with the eyes of Jesus at each other, when we don't speak truth into each other like Jesus speaks truth to us, we're denying the work of the Lord. That's just old so-and-so. No chance for them. No hope for them. They'll never come to see the truth. They'll never be a member of the church. They'll never break that terrible habit that they started. I'm, you better be glad that your pastor doesn't look that way. You don't ever want a man of God to stand in this pulpit and preach to you or minister among you or counsel you that has that type of mentality that denies the work of Christ. I see the work of Christ in you. And I see the potential that God has for you. I see what God can do with a blind man and turn him into someone who is a great testimony, you see. Don't be a hard-hearted hypocrite and cold shoulder a little child of grace. And don't be a fearful parent like the parents of the blind man who denied their own son. Stand by one another. That's what Christ did. Christ stood by the blind man when everybody else had left him, including his parents. He stood by them. He went into the problem with the blind man. He associated himself with him. And he didn't just do it one time. He healed him of his blindness. And then he comes back to him later. And he says, he interacts with him. And he says, do you know who I am? <laughs> he said, I'm the son of God. That's the attitude that we ought to have with each other. No matter what you go through, no matter what you deal with, to be there for one another, to see each other with the eyes of Jesus. Oh, I can't believe so and so did this again. They've done it a hundred times. But still see them through the eyes of Jesus as a sinner and see yourself as a sinner too. You see what Jesus saw there? We see with the eyes of Jesus that he had a Savior who loved him. And we see a blind man who, <laughs> he's by himself. And he's just rejoicing with Jesus Christ. You know, that's enough if that's all you got. If that's all you got. If your parents have turned against you, if the apostles have turned against you, if the religious elite have turned against you, if all the, if the neighbors have turned against you, if all of those have turned against you and all you have is Jesus on your side and you can rejoice with Jesus in that limited circumstance, then you have everything. But never let it be said that we turn from a child of grace because of what we see. When we see each other through the eyes of Christ, we will see each other differently. 
It won't just be old so-and-so, old brother so-and-so, old sister so-and-so, or little sister so-and-so, little brother so-and-so. It will be a blood-bought, redeemed child of grace like the blind man who the Lord has done a great work in. And we never give up on each other. Never give up. We work and we labor to speak truth into one another. I don't care if, you're a, five, if a person's a five-star recruit. I don't care if they're some kind of great athlete or some kind of incredible famous person to speak truth into the person. Or if they're just an old farmer that lives out in the backwoods and raises a family his whole life. Whoever they are, let's see them through the eyes of Jesus. We push forward and we suffer a little longer with one another like Christ did. You're a blood-bought, redeemed child of the King. And we should treat each other that way. I'll leave this with you. Hebrews 13 and 17. Listen to this language. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch, they look, they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. That is teaching us right there that as a minister of the Gospel, as a pastor, the Lord has laid the burden upon me to watch care for you and over you while you're in this world and you're in this church. You understand that? You know, I'm not supposed to be just somebody that stands up once a week and says, hey, how you doing? Let me preach some gospel to you. I'm supposed to be one that is watching over you. I don't have to worry about the salvation of your soul. You understand? Because Christ took care of that. Praise God I don't have that burden on me. But I have a tremendous burden on me to watch over you and, and care for your soul to give you the right message, to give you the right counsel, to give you the right thing from the Word of God so that your life can be the best that it could possibly be in this life. Because there's a lot of things stacked against you. There was a lot of things stacked against the blind man. He couldn't see. He had to beg. But the Lord Jesus Christ said that the works of God may be manifest in him. And I tell you, child of grace, as an under-shepherd, under the Lord, given the watch care of this congregation and of your soul, I tell you, I see the potential that God has for you in your life. If we'll just look through the eyes of Jesus, don't write Him off. Don't look like the Pharisee. Don't look like the hypocrite. Don't look like the parents did. Don't even look like the apostles did. Look through the eyes of Jesus and you'll see in each other blood-bought children of God that have been redeemed and never perfect in this life, but ever capable of glorifying God. The blind man could have just up and moved. But Jesus came to him and he had a special testimony. It was kind of a lonely testimony, wasn't it? But it was a special testimony that the Lord gave him that he could continue to glorify God even though he was the only one. Jesus is taking care of your salvation. He's got your eternal soul saved. But as the one that watches over you, I want to speak truth into you. I want you to know what you're capable of. You can overcome that sin. You can overcome that which you face. You can forge relationships and friendships and fellowship in the church of God by seeing each other with the eyes of Christ. And you know, as someone that tries to stay in tune to that, as someone that tries to pray for each and every one of you, and even some that aren't here, you know, the Lord lays on my heart from time to time. You know, reach out to this person. Check on this person. Go see this person. Send a text to this person. Take this person to lunch. And I have found, it's not because I've got some kind of prophetic ability, but I have found that it works. Nine times out of ten, somebody would be laid on my heart, and the next thing you know, 
they're sharing with me something they're struggling with. And I'm telling you, if I was looking through the eyes of anything other than Jesus, you'd never hear from me. You'd never hear from me. Because I'd be too busy just doing my own thing and concerned about myself. And I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I've struggled with that. But I'm telling you, you must expect a minister of the gospel, a pastor teacher, you must expect that out of a pastor teacher. That they will be concerned about those things. That they will be looking through the eyes of Jesus. If not, you're going to be dealing with a legalist or a hypocrite that won't speak truth, but will speak harshness like the Pharisees did. Let's speak truth into one another. It's not just up to the preacher to do that. You say, well, that's all so-and-so. That's a blood-bought, redeemed child of God, child of the King. Speak to them in the way that Jesus would speak. See them in the way that Jesus would see them. It makes a huge difference.